Hey guys, welcome back to Fast Facts. I'm your host, Karen Dela Cruz. Oh, I'm so happy to be back and recording and going back to the things that I love, which is working on my podcast and looking up random facts. <laughs> and I'm super excited to announce this is our first ever true crime episode of the unsolved mystery of the Black Dahlia. So first and foremost, I do want to say that with this true crime episode and the ones that proceed after this, I don't want to be offensive or too invasive into the case of the person that was unfortunately either murdered or lost by the families and friends that love them. I don't want to be disrespectful in any way. I just find mystery and true crime very fascinating and I like to dive in and do my own investigations about it. So I just want to make that very clear in the beginning before I get into this. But yes, I'm super excited to be back and recording and do my little investigations as I do and fast facts digging. So without further ado, how about we just get into the unsolved mystery of the Black Dahlia. So for those who don't know much about the Black Dahlia, Black Dahlia or Elizabeth Short was the name of the American woman who was found murdered in Lamert Park neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. Her case became very popular and highly publicized back then because of the graphic nature of the crime. And because of this, it was because her corpse was mutilated and bisected at the middle region of her body. So it was the graphic nature of the way her body was found as well as the incision that was done on her waist because it was assumed that her murder was either premeditated or it was someone in the medical field that committed this crime due to the perfect incision, I guess you could say, at her waistline. So just a summary before we dive into the fast facts. On the morning of January 15, 1947, a mother taking her child for a walk in Los Angeles neighborhood stumbled upon the most gruesome and disturbing sight of the body of a young naked woman sliced clean in half at the waist. The body was just a few feet from the sidewalk and it was posed in such a way that the mother actually thought it was a mannequin at first glance. Despite the extensive mutilation and cuts and scarring on the body, there wasn't actually a drop of blood at the scene indicating that the woman had been killed anywhere else. The investigation on the young woman was led by the LA Police Department and then the FBI was then asked for help and they quickly identified the body in just 56 minutes. 56 minutes to identify a body, which is, I think, red flag number one. In fact, after getting their blurred fingerprints from the body, it was used in via sound photo, which was a primitive fax machine used by news services in Los Angeles. And with this, they were able to find out that the young woman turned out to be 22-year-old Hollywood, hopeful named of Elizabeth Short. And it was later dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press for her rumored penchant for sheer black clothes and for the Blue Dahlia movie out at that time. So before I dive in more into the Black Dahlia case, I want to mention why I found that the 56 minutes to identify the body as Elizabeth Short a little bit weird and a red flag was because in the 40s, they didn't have that type of advanced technology and police stations to identify a body by fingerprints. Like even in the 90s, fingerprints and fingerprinting systems weren't as accurate yet as they are now. So there had been a lot of false positives. And in this case, they'd even use an actual fingerprinting machine. And they even mentioned that the fingerprints were blurred. So this is just a little rocky for me. I mean, this is just my opinion. I don't know much about technology and police stations or the whole fingerprinting process, but this is something that I had to, I had to mention because you know how it is in this podcast. I was going to throw my opinion in there, but yeah. Anyways, back to the 
episode. So in my research, I finally found out why the blurred fingerprints actually worked, and it was because Elizabeth Short's fingerprints actually appeared twice in the FBI's massive collection of fingerprinting, and it was because she applied for a job as a clerk at the Commissary of the Army's Camp Cook in California in January 1943, and because she had been arrested in Santa Barbara by police for underage drinking seven months later. So the bureau actually had her mugshot in file and it was provided to the press when they announced the death of this woman. So in support of LA police, the FBI ran record checks on potential suspects and conducted interviews across the nation. Based on always suspicions that the murderer might have had skills in dissection because the body was so cleanly cut, agents were also asked to check out the group of students at the University of Southern California Medical School. It was then found that no fingerprints matched any of the students at the medical school, but a potential break in the case was that DeBurrow searched for a match to fingerprints found on an anonymous letter that may have been sent to authorities by the killer, but unfortunately the prints weren't in the FBI files. So the FBI and the police kind of had no leads as to who killed the Black Dahlia, but they were getting close since they did receive a letter. And it was probably from the killer because the killer stated in the letter about facts that the police only knew and no one in the public knew in the press. Under 70 years later, who killed the Black Dahlia and why? We probably will never know. It's still a mystery. The murder has never been found and given how much time has passed, it probably never will be. So the legend remains growing and her murderer probably is dead by now, to be honest. And I know that sounds really morbid, but it's true. Like literally almost a century has passed and they still haven't found who murdered her. And it's very sad and I feel super, super empathetic for the family and friends who knew her but the case has not been cracked yet. So without further ado, let's dive into the fast facts that are insane and kind of disturbing about the Black Dahlia case. So fast fact number one is that reporters tricked Short's mother. And this is probably one of the most disturbing ones for me personally because of the way that they deceived Elizabeth Short's mother to find out what happened to her. So Elizabeth Short's horrific murder was so electrified in the press that they decided to not only question the locals in the neighborhood about her murder, but they actually went out to reach out to Elizabeth Short's family in Massachusetts. And the reporters from the Los Angeles Examiner, rather than telling Mrs. Short about the tragedy about her daughter's death, they told her that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest in order to get information about her life. Imagine Mrs. Short's despair and tragedy when she found out that her daughter actually had been killed right after receiving such an honor. The audacity of these reporters to do something so horrible and just so demeaning of this woman's death. Like, in the 40s, the reporters were wild in at the Los Angeles Examiner. I just, I can't, I can't. Fast fact number two, some linked the case to the Cleveland Torso murders. So when Short's death became national news, police officers in Cleveland felt an awful sense of like deja vu uh, because between 1934 and 1938, a serial killer had terrorized their city, claiming 12 victims. And of all those victims, they were grotesquely dismembered and they were actually cleanly cut just like the Black Dahlia. So some theorized that the Ohio serial killer and Short's murderer could have been the same person, especially since the Short's killer was a perpetrator of what came to be known as the Cleveland Torso Murderers that were never caught. So they believe the Black Dahlia was murdered by the same person who murdered those 12 victims because of the the ways and the maneuvers that this killer did to the bodies. And honestly, in my opinion, 
I have a strong sense that they were the murderers considering that they both weren't found and just diving into more of the research of the Cleveland torso murders, I saw some of the bodies of their victims and the way that they were dismembered and I wish I didn't because now I can't take that image out of my head but it looked very similar to the Black Dahlia's body in the way that it was cut up and it even had the same precision on some of the waistlines of the murdered bodies from the Cleveland murders. So I, I honestly think it might be the same person or people or the same group because who's to say that it was actually just one person and might have been several. You never know. Fast fact number three, this Black Dahlia case was also connected to a lipstick murder case. So one month after Short's murder, another woman's body was discovered in Los Angeles and the circumstances mimicked the Black Dahlia's case in just a few ways. So it all began with a stranger, in this case this was a construction worker, stumbled upon a naked body of a dead woman in the grass. Jan French had dark hair like Short's and her face was also badly beaten. But this time there was actually an unusual message that was kind of written on her stomach in bright red lipstick. and. Um, <laughs> in this podcast it is not explicit so I can't say exactly what said on the stomach but you can look it up but I could say that um it was a very nasty message and at the end of the message it says bd and just below that there were letters that spelled out t-e-x which was text people were quick to think that the bd at the end of the message was related to the gruesome murder of the black dahlia because of bd but the police were kind of wary officially connecting the two so like Short and French's murder, they were never found. The murderers were never found. So that's why people think that these two cases of the Black Dahlia and the lipstick murder were linked because the murder is still out there somewhere. And this one is a little bit more like, I don't know if they're linked because yes, the BD at the end of the message on the stomach that was written in lipstick, yes, it sounds like it's referring to BD, but like the Black Dahlia, but BD can refer to a lot of other things. It might have been a personal murder. It might have been something else. So this one doesn't really strike me as the same murderer who murdered the Black Dahlia. But I mean, you could do your own research, you know, teach their own. Maybe, maybe there's something that I'm missing. Fast fact number four, and this one was a little weird to me, and I thought it was really interesting, so I'm happy to talk about this one. Many people confessed to the crime of murdering the Black Dahlia. The LAPD had to rule out so many suspects in the Black Dahlia investigation, including a lot of people who turned themselves in. Um, some sources quoted that a lower number, the Los Angeles Times puts the tally of false confessions in Elizabeth Short's case at more than 500 people. The phony claims came from housewives, clergymen, soldiers, drunk ramblers, and much later pranksters who weren't even alive when Short's life was brutally taken. So. Since this case arose to fame so quickly and it was so highly publicized, there were a lot of people who are sick in the head and that do not have any empathy for those who have been brutally murdered. They came to a lot of the press and a lot of the policemen and told them, hey, like I murdered the Black Dahlia. No. So the fact that there were so many people turning themselves in as false murderers or false convictors of this crime that's why this case has never been solved because they don't know who was actually telling the truth and who wasn't and of course with phony and phonies and pranksters and all that they make this crime seem like it's a joke which is so disrespectful and i just i can't believe people did that and as well as 
maybe there were actually some of those. This is my theory, so I'm going to dive into this really quick. I think that some of these phonies or these people who, who convicted to their crime, even though they didn't do it, I think they probably did know who did it, but they're trying to protect the person who did it, if that makes sense. So I think that they should have probably investigated some of these people who they had a hunch that they probably knew something because there were people who were drunk and they were clergymen and soldiers. Like, why would they turn themselves into such a crime? Like, they have some fascination with this crime. Wouldn't you think that they probably know something about it? I don't know. I thought that was very interesting. So another reason why the Black Dahlia case has not been closed yet because there are so many people turning themselves in of committing the crime. So with even so many people turning themselves in saying that they committed the crime, the murderer, the actual killer, or so he claimed to be, toyed with the police. So fast fact number five, the murderer toyed with the police. Apparently he was not content or he, she, person, I don't know, was not content with killing and mutilating Miss Elizabeth Short. The killer began contacting police within a week of the body's discovery. The killer started with a phone call saying, quote, expect souvenirs of Best Short in the mail, end quote. And the examiner began receiving letters three days later from that. So some of the letters were cut and paste from magazines, but others were handwritten. But they did indeed receive many of Short's personal documents and effects, which must have been one depressing day in the mailroom because receiving all that very graphic, intense stuff in that mailroom, I, I would quit the next day, to be honest. But despite the boon of evidence, the law enforcement officers couldn't get any fingerprints off of it or any positively identifying the handwriting that was sent in the letters. So Short's murderer loved toying with the police and the press so much that he outright just told them he was doing it or he, she, them was doing it. So I guess you can kind of see that this murderer had some type of fascination into fame and he, she, them liked to be noticed and given all this attention for this murder that they actually went to police and they sent letters and they sent hints and the police could not find a way to identify this person that was doing this and I think it gave them such pleasure that they were never caught and I hate that because I wish they got caught because this was such a gruesome murder and the fact that they toyed with police's time and effort so much in this case and they were never caught literally grinds my gears to a point that I don't even know how to explain it. Okay, moving on. So fastback number six, a lot of people, and I see people, I mean investigators, press, people who are related to the case, people who worked on the case, believe that George Hodel is one of the most notorious suspects or persons that they believe that murdered the Black Dahlia. And the reason is because George Hodel was a physician who ran a venereal disease clinic in Los Angeles in the 1940s. And according to The Guardian, Hodel was on a list of six primary suspects in the Black Dahlia case, and the LAPD even bugged his home during the investigation. But Hodel, who died in 1999, gained more recent fame when his son, Steve Hodel, accused him of killing Short in the 2003 best-selling book, Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story. So his own son, George's son, Steve, believed that his father killed the Black Dahlia when he wrote that book. And 
the reason why Steve claims his father's handwriting matches the strange letters that police were receiving. Steve also uncovered photos from a woman who resembles Short, which is the Black Dahlia, in his father's personal photo album and believes that Hodel's medical background would explain the precise clinical cuts on the body. And this is when I mentioned that there was a clean cut on the waistline of the Black Dahlia, so that kind of makes sense. But, of course, but some have discounted Steve's claims since he started linking his father to another infamous unsolved murderers, including the Zodiac killings. So, the reason why people believe that Hodel is not related to this murder was because his son was also referencing his father being one of the Zodiac killer's killings like he claimed to be the zodiac killer as well so it doesn't really make sense there's a little bit of inconsistencies in that storyline that his son is kind of giving off in his book so it really just depends on the way you see it to each their own but i don't think that it was george hodel i don't know i don't know it's a there's a lot out there do your own investigation let me know what you think fast fact number seven a lot of other people think it was a bellhop so, another name that was popular among the Black Dahlia theorists is Leslie Dillon. He appears in the FBI case files, but gained renewed attention, I guess, in 2017 when the author of the book, The Black Dahlia, Red Rose, Dillon was a bellhop, writer, and mortician's assistant who seemed to know a surprising amount of details about Short's murder when the LAPD hauled him for questioning. He was eventually let go, thanks to a dirty cop, according to Eatwell, but some of the detectives investigating the case never forgot him. In 2018, Buzz Williams, a retired officer with California's Long Beach Police Department and the son of Richard F. Williams, part of the LAPD's gangster squad, told Rolling Stone that, quote, my dad thought Leslie Dillon was the killer, end quote, and that the other cops suspected that Dillon was, at the very least, an accomplice to the Black Dahlia murder. So even with these strong cases against these suspects, there was never charges filed on the Black Dahlia case, which is fast fact number eight. No charges were ever filed on the Black Dahlia case. The FBI files on the case indicate that many men were held for questioning and some even took polygraph tests, but ultimately no one was ever charged with Elizabeth Short's murder, but they were really, really on the case for a while. And then this leads us to the fast fact number nine. The LAPD handled it so badly that they were sent before a grand jury. At the time of the murder, the Los Angeles Police Department was not doing their best. They were still recovering from World War II, not to mention the zoot riots that happened before the case even came to be, which left hundreds injured. Then there was their consistent failure to solve any of the Los Angeles horror murders, alone women grotesquely killed. So then the police, the LAPD, was sent before a grand jury two years later, and frustrated with the LAPD's failure to solve crimes, I guess you could say, the grand jury more or less asked the question, quote, why does your homicide unit keep letting women and children get murdered without justice, end quote, which I deem a pretty solid, fair question. So Chief William H. Parker took his position in 1950, less than a year later, but hey, that's probably just a coincidence. On the upside, there's some evidence that Elizabeth Short's case helped inspire California State Assemblyman C. Don Field to write a bill demanding a sex offender's registry. So, I mean, there's that. One positive note from her murder. Still very sad, though. And lastly, but surely not least, 
Even 750 investigators couldn't solve the case. And this is fast fact number 10, and you know I had to throw in a numbery statistical fast fact in here. So the Black Dahlia murder has been unsolved for over 70 years, but it's certainly not for the lack of manpower. No, 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 no. Between January 1947 and the spring of that same year, 400 sheriff's deputies and 250 California State Patrol officers tried unsuccessfully. I mean, it seems rude to keep pointing that out, but to solve the crime. Some, like Hodel, think it's because the LAPD was trying to cover it up, I guess, and with the release of the police informant W. Glenn Martin's letter, it sounds like that could be true. I don't know. It just, it's very wary and you really don't know what to actually think at this point. So with that being said, that concludes our first ever true crime episode of the unsolved murder of the Black Dahlia. I had so much fascination with this case and I'm finally glad I was able to get in and look into my own investigation of the case. And this case still remains one of the most infamous cold cases of all time. And I guess it will always remain a mystery of who killed the Black Dahlia. Like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful to the family or friends who knew her. I just find mystery and true crime and investigation very fascinating. So I hope that was very much represented in my, I guess, own investigation of the Black Dahlia. Also, let me know what you guys think about the Black Dahlia case. What are your theories? What are your thoughts about who the killer was and what happened to her? I really want to know. I love discussing this kind of stuff. And also let me know if you guys like these true crime episodes. I love doing them. I love reading into cold cases and have my own theories about what happened and who done it. So let me know about that and make sure to give us a follow on Fast Facts Podcast on Instagram. All one word, all lowercase, Fast Facts Podcast. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of The Unsolved Mystery of the Black Dahlia. I hope you guys have a wonderful day wherever you are, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Fast Facts. All right, bye guys. Mm -hmm.